say yes to the opportunities that come along. Sometimes you don't know where that will take you, but I think when you focus on doing what the business needs and saying yes, even if it's you know taking on a project outside of your comfort area by working on the things that are a priority for the company, that will give you an incredible amount of exposure to the different challenges and, and sort of business priorities, but is ultimately the greatest way to learn and, and grow. Welcome to Building Better CMOs, a podcast about how marketers can get smarter and stronger. I am Greg Stewart, the CEO of Nonprofit MMA Global. We have three goals, to change how we think about marketing, to understand the challenges CMOs face, and to unlock the true power that marketing can have. Now, this podcast is not a place for hero worship or how great CMOs are. There's lots of places for that. Instead, we're going to talk about real leadership in marketing and what it takes to drive growth today. Today's guest is Zach Kitschke, the CMO of Canva. He was employee number five there and has worked there in a number of roles for over 10 years. Canva was founded to make good design much, much simpler and accessible to everyone. Zach is gonna share with us about the origin story, why Canva is leaning into AI and what CMOs like him get out of working with professional coaches. You can find a full transcript of this interview and more at bettercmos.com. And if you like the podcast, do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you don't like the podcast, email me. Seriously, I'm Greg at mmaglobal.com. I'd love to hear from you. But now let's get to my conversation with Zach Kitschke. Hey, welcome to the show today, Zach Kitschke from Canva. Great to see you here today. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Greg. Good to see you again. Where are you, by the way? I'm at home in Bondi in Sydney, Australia at the moment. I think an enviable spot in Australia, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's actually where the opposite to you folks, though, where um, we're going into winter. So I'm sitting here rugged up uh, in the cold um, today. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the sunny Bondi you wait, see wait, on the postcard. Zach, Zach I, I've been to you. You do not have cold, Zach. You don't. No, have cold. no, that's true. <laughs> cold for us. You kind of remind me. I had a, had a brother-in-law, a sister-in-law, lived in Argentina, and they used to wear coats. And I was like, "You wear a coat here? Like, what for? It's beautiful all the time." <laughs> yeah, you can't tell a New Yorker it's cold, right? No, 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 not here, not at all. No, no, no. The northern part of the United States is pretty damn cold sometimes. Zach, listen, I really appreciate you being here, and I'm super excited to talk to you about Canva and some of the work that you guys are doing. It's an extraordinary journey. Those who don't know the company, in fact, you know what? Here, let's set the stage a little bit for people. So we have a company now with an extraordinarily strong valuation that was started not that many years ago, right? That's right. Yeah, we launched back in 2013, so we'll be celebrating 10 years this year. And really the mission of Canva is to empower the world to design. You know, we launched back in 2013 with this vision to take design software, which was complex, expensive, difficult to use at that point in time and to make it really simple, easy and accessible to everyone. And so, you know, with that, we launched Canva. Uh, these days, over 130 million people are using the platform in 190 countries all around the world to create everything from social media posts to presentations, to videos, to t-shirts, the list goes uh, on and on and on. So we've seen you know, this incredible growth uh, over the last few years, uh, which has been um, very exciting, uh, obviously, to be part of. 
How many employees now, Zach? How big is the company? Uh, we're three and a half thousand people globally these days. Crazy. It's just crazy what's happened there. And if I remember right, it was the, was it the largest fund for an Australian startup or something? There was something early about that, right? Yeah. Early on, it was the largest seed funding round for an Australian company. So we had raised $3 million back in 2013. And then uh, in the last couple of years, uh, we reached a valuation of, of $40 billion, been growing sort of profitably um, over, the, over the past few years uh, as well. So it's been a, a tremendous ride. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't know if you can say, but I think what I've kind of read is that, you know, a company that's nearly doubling or is doubling every year. Yeah. Something crazy like that. <laughs> it's amazing. It's an absolutely incredible story, especially, listen, I, I lived out in Silicon Valley. I was a part of a startup that went public during the dot-com. I've been through some of those experiences, but I don't think there's anything I've heard sort of as dramatic as what Canva has been. And what's interesting about it too, is it started with a very simple mission that you're still incredibly true to, right? You've not deviated. The product is advanced, but the solution is in essence still the same. That's right. And I think that is a huge part of Canva and, and our story. Uh, our founder, Mel, has been incredibly consistent in driving us towards that mission. And you know, she came up with the idea actually when she was teaching design software back at home in, in Perth on the other side of Australia. Uh, and at that point of time, was you know observing students using tools like Photoshop and InDesign, and I guess just you know started to question whether there was a better way, an easier way to do to do things. And you know she was looking at products like Facebook, which had hit the market and, and were obviously taking off, uh, and so came up with this concept for making it available online. And I guess through the the mission, you know, to empower the world as a design, that was really a response to this sort of philosophical belief that you know, her and her co-founder Cliff had, which was that design and visual communication should be something that everyone can access, you know, no matter your income, your skill level or, or where you live in the world. And so that, that mission continues um, to drive us today. And you know, it's obviously amazing to reflect on where we've gotten to at this point. It's a big mission. We talk about empowering the whole world and, uh, you know, there's there's billions of internet users. So we've still got a, uh, a very long way to go. Now, what's particularly interesting about your part of this story, Zach, is you were employee number five. And I think if I heard right, you were just hired for one day. They didn't even know if they needed you, right? Um, that's right. <laughs> it was one of those situations where I think... I wanted to be part of Canva more than they wanted me uh, at the beginning. <laughs> um, I actually came in for a one-day contract to help write the media release for our very first funding round that I was um, I was mentioning earlier. So I was actually prior to Canva writing full-time as the editor of a, a small publication that had launched to cover the, the tech and startup space in Australia. This this sort of emerging space. It was a real interest area of mine. And so, um, you know, I thought that was a great job, but uh, like many startups, that business wasn't able to turn a profit. And so I found out, you know, one day that the business had run out of money, which meant I was out of a job. That's usually how that works. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. At age 21, I was, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay my rent? I need to find something else. Um, I sort of moved to Sydney, you know, for that previous job from my hometown and 
I guess I started to reach out and, and sort of ask a bunch of people for advice. And, and one of those people happened to be one of our very first investors from Blackbird Ventures, a, a local VC firm um, here in Sydney. And he said, you should chat to Mel and Cliff. We've, we've just um, invested. I don't know if they're looking for anyone right now, but it's, it's worth a chat. And so, uh, you know, he, he put me in touch and sort, sort of set the, the course in action. And I guess they liked your first press release on that day. They, did they ask you right then to come back the next day or did they say, we'll get back to you later? They asked me that afternoon. Yeah, I spent the day trying to get my head around what they were up to and, and put this press release together. And uh, they said, you know, why don't you come back tomorrow? And um, you know, here we are 10 years later. <laughs> and so on a daily basis, you keep waiting for them to say, don't That's come right. back tomorrow. <laughs> Every afternoon. You showing up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Just to check in. Now, and what's funny about you too, Zach, by the way, because this is going to be interesting as we get to the talk about, you know, marketing, the whole point of this uh, conversation, you were first doing comms, then you went to product, I guess. Yeah, at that, at that point, I guess you have, have to remember it was, you know, five of us around a, a little table. Uh, and so everyone is a jack of all trades at, at that point. So, you know, in, in those early days, I was, I was helping with comms and, and our marketing, but took on our customer service and, uh, you know, was even even sort of cooking lunches, um, you know, with, with Cliff for, for the team. And so, you know, as, as we grew, um, I sort of handed over some of those responsibilities and, and trained up our customer service team and, and built that function. Then I moved into product, um, which was a great experience, helping to build our premium version, which is now called Canva Pro and launched that. Really great introduction into, into that world. Then Mel and Cliff asked me to move into the HR space and, and build out our people function. So I um, spent a couple of years immersing myself in the world of <laughs> HR? <laughs> Just because basically they had nobody else who could pick it up, but I guess they thought you were a workhorse, I guess, or something, right? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But it was a, uh, you know, that was a fascinating experience and really enjoyed, you know, the opportunity to, to build out some of our programs, our important programs on the people side, like Canva University, which is our, our learning and development function, an internal coaching team, the HR function. So I did that for a few years and then they sort of tapped me and, and said, we'd love you to help build out um, the marketing function, building this brand's a real priority. So that's what I've been doing now for um, the last few years. When did you take over as head of marketing? It'd be about three and a half, four years ago now. And how big was the marketing department at that time, just by for a sense of scale? How many people? It was pretty small. We, at that point, didn't have a creative team. We didn't have a product marketing function. We didn't have a growth marketing team. So, you know, there, there was a handful of really passionate, great folks doing some great work in, in things like SEO and a bit of performance marketing, but really it was a, a definitely a build. And in some regards, the business, I think if I, if I kind of get the history, having talked to you in the past is that, you know, it really did just kind of take off on its own. When did you kind of go, huh, darn, this thing might be a really big deal. What was that point? I reflected on this and I, I can't, I don't know if I can pinpoint a specific point. I think I was so caught up in the mission, you know, having met Mel and Cliff and come on early on. I was absolute belief that this was a huge need. And so from the very beginning, you got it. It made sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, it was definitely, I, I think you're just kind of, when you, when you're working towards a mission like that, it's just like, okay, one step after the other, 
you know, this kind of relentless pursuit of trying to get there. In the early days, you have to remember we were like, we had no, nobody. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we were, we were doing things like running workshops at the local library to get people in to learn about design and, and sort of inadvertently, you know, signing them up to our, our product and platform. And there was, you know, weeks early on where it was like, you know, this kind of desperate exercise of how we're going to get the next five users, 10 users, 50 users. Uh, and it felt like that, that went on for a long time. And then, you know, we started to see some of that viral effect taking hold, um, you know, particularly in Australia and in, in sort of social media, the, the marketing community where we, we, we definitely solved for a really you know, strong use case. Uh, and then we caught Guy Kawasaki's attention, um, the former chief evangelist of, of Apple. And so he actually came on um, as an advisor back in 2014. And so that, that was definitely, you know, one of those moments where it was like, okay, you know, it's, it's pretty cool that, that someone like that with that kind of profile, you know, is, is using the product and, and sort of sees the value. And so, you know, some of those kind of endorsements along the way definitely, um, you know, gave the team a little bit of that, that sort of momentum and, and, and sort of faith that, that we we're on the right track as well. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's, I've heard, I've heard your story. It's just, it's an incredible thing. So let's shift to our topic here for, you know, building better CMOs. You weren't trained as a marketer originally. You know, you didn't work for a big time CMO to get taught the job. You got a big team. I mean, what's your team now? I think you've told me three, 400 marketing. What's the, what's the marketing About size? 400 people. Yeah. 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 It's big, right? You got a lot of people. Okay. What's interesting though, is that you have a product that can appeal to the marketers and those who appreciate marketing, I guess it's at some level, right? So I, I, the question I always like to ask first is in your experience, in your exposure from your unique position, what do you think marketers, maybe even CMOs, don't really fully understand about marketing that you think, you know, obviously, you know, the subtext of that, that you think they'd be well served to be more focused or experimental. The number one thing I think is that marketers really need to be careful that, you know, buzzy tactics don't become a replacement for good strategy. Um, like that's definitely something that I've learned along the way. And, and I think, you know, it can, it can be really easy to get caught up in chasing, you know, the generation of, of that buzz and, and forget that, you know, the primary goal that we're here to serve is to ultimately drive the business. And, and for marketing, that comes back to getting people to choose your brand uh, and drive sales ultimately. What's the experience or exposure you've had that's taught you that buzzy metrics or buzzy dynamics aren't really the thing to go after? In our case, it's been seeing what has really driven the business. And I think some of our most effective marketing is not necessarily the stuff that people look at and, and, and maybe will celebrate or be most you know, interested in uh, externally. It's the, it's the kind of stuff that does the hard work. And you know, that can be things like testimonial driven advertising, or it can be the, the SEO work that we do or things like that, that really drive things forward. And I think what it really comes back to is having strategic clarity on what you're there to try and do and, and what is the brand message and the sort of business objectives. And, and I think when you're really clear on that, it really helps make sure that you know every single tactic or marketing technique that you're evaluating is, is laddering up to that macro strategy. And so I think that can be 
you know, something that you can lose sight of and, and you can end up, you know, getting excited about tactics that don't connect to that, that North Star or, or the strategy. And sometimes being able to say no uh, is actually the most Im- important thing in, 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 my, in my take. I think what I'm hearing you argue for is a very practical, maybe even rational articulation, communication about, you know, what Canva can do for those who orient themselves towards, you know, the the necessity for design of some kind. Is that what you're trying to say? It could be somewhat taking the emotion out of advertising, which a lot of people believe in, but what do you think? No, I don't think that's true. I think it's being really clear on what it is that your brand stands for, what the product is there to do, and, and ultimately what's going to drive that with your community. Um, like if I, if I think about what that has meant for us, you know, at its core, our mission is to empower the world to design, as I've shared, and we do that through the products that we offer making them simple and easy and delightful to use. And so for us, we come back to our core values and, and our principles, you know, which which sort of feed through through everything that we do. So some of the values as an example, make complex things simple. So for our product experience, we spent uh, many, many, many years and focus an incredible amount on making sure that every interaction someone has with the product makes them feel smarter. They're not having to pick up big textbooks to learn how to use. They can easily get from A to B and we hold ourselves to a very high bar on that and do a lot of testing actually to validate that that experience continues. And and so, you know, before we launch anything, do an incredible amount of of testing and, and push ourselves to really make the product experience as simple as possible. And we do the same thing for our advertising as well. So our creative development we put through its paces and so we hold it to the same bar when we're we're testing and so we'll actually ask people a number of questions that come back to are you likely to use this product or or recommend it to a friend and and do you feel like you could use it yourself and we found that those two bars are incredibly important to pushing our creative to the most simple an effective communication of the message uh, and showcasing the, the design experience. That would be one example. Hey, Zach, are you able to share what your net promoter score is? We won't ship a new product unless we're reaching nines or tens on the question of, you know, how likely are you to, to recommend this this product to a, a friend or coworker? So it's an incredibly high bar that we um, we hold ourselves to. Not everybody says it's a nine or ten, do they? Or there has to be nines and tens in the group. Uh, consistently nines or tens, yeah. Because listen, if you're advocating for even an eighty percent net promoter score, that's extraordinarily high. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Apple's a seventy percent last time I looked. So a lot of this is about you know building a better mousetrap, right? How do you really do that? Talk to me a little bit about the marketing and some of the marketing you do. I mean, like I said, I heard testimonials as an element of it, uh, certainly trying to be available, take advantage of SEO when people are sort of have some intent orientation to things. I hear that. What else are you doing from a marketing standpoint that you think is really working? A few things that have been uh, really big for us over the last little while, um, a huge focus on experiential. So, we had just recently, you know, our Canva Create event here in Sydney in, in March. 
it was our second event, you know, major. I saw John Costello was there and <laughs> it was featuring photos from it. It looked like fun. What'd you do? We held our first Canva Create actually in September of last year. And it was a big product launch moment that we, you know, we held in, in Sydney uh, and brought together our community from around the world. And then we we dialed it up and, and did it again in, in March. Uh, and so in March, we, we launched a range of uh, new AI tools that we had integrated into our product suite and some, some brand management functionality. But what was really you know, fun about that was the incredible enthusiasm and the excitement from our community. And so for the event, we held it in Sydney, broadcast it around the world. And to give you a sense of the scale, had over one and a half million people from our community tune in to find out you know, the latest uh, around those features. So experiential has been a big part. Um, as you can imagine, you know, off the back of that, community has been a huge driver for us as well. So you know, we have spent lots of time and energy facilitating and enabling our global community. So we have hundreds of thousands of teachers that are part of our um, you know, official communities now globally that come together and share their lesson plans, their tips and, and sort of tricks in the classroom uh, and support one another on Canva, uh, sort of content creators, uh, a, a big community of, of content creators that help you know, create templates for um, the Canva library, you know, small businesses, freelancers. So community has been uh, a huge part. Uh, it's a PR and communications, you know, all the way along. That was the only lever that we had to play with in the early days. So, you know, telling the story of this startup no one had heard of, you know, try to kind of generate awareness and, and sort of build momentum. So that really started with the founder story and you know, the incredible story of, of Mel and Cliff in particular, trying to get this business off the ground, pitching hundreds of investors and, and being rejected and kind of pursuing pursuing Canva through to where we are today. So PR has driven incredible visibility and, and sort of helped uh, with that, that word of mouth. Uh, and then more recently, over the last few years, we've really dialed up and been doing a lot more brand building and, and sort of brand advertising. So, you know, that's been newer for us with a big focus in, in the US. And so- What's the messaging in the brand building? What's the tagline or what's the messaging for people? It is that Canva makes it easy to achieve your personal and professional goals um, through design and visual communication. So, you know, what we've really found has, has worked best there is, is very clear products, communication and, and education, as well as, you know, starting to showcase the values uh, pieces that we um, we stand for as well. You know, I think Canva has as a company, you know, very product focused. I get all that really focused on trying to do the the heavy hard lift of making it simple, which is a funny maybe way to put that. But, you know, I mean, it takes a lot of extra effort to get that kind of right. And, you know, I think most people experience either most companies or products is that they're not designed for people. So you're getting that right. But you are a company that's really kind of that's thinking differently. So talk a little bit about how AI has now played into it, which is, you know, all the buzz out there. Not a person not talking, a company's not talking, focus on AI. What is, what has Canva done around that? <laughs> uh, it's hard to avoid the conversation at the moment, isn't it? It's um, definitely the, the topic on everyone's lips. And it's certainly been something that we've been, you know, really focused on over the last few years. Uh, look, I'd say for us, we see AI as this, incredible new opportunity and it's, um, you know, as we're already seeing, totally reshaping, uh, you know, how things are going to be done in, in the years to come. 
you know, our journey actually started in, in 2013 at this moment of technological change. And it was really only at that point in time with, you know, things like HTML5, the acceleration of, you know, mobile devices and tablets, the deployment of high-speed internet, um, you know, to more countries and, and markets that it was possible to actually reimagine, you know, design software, which had come in a box and reimagine it being browser-based and, and sort of online. And so, you know, we were born at a point of technological change, which really actually enabled our product to, to come to life. Okay. So you caught a real moment in time also, right? Is that like, it was really the right product need for the right time and environment and technology at some level. Is that, is that what you just said? Exactly. It was actually like, you know, a few years earlier, it literally wouldn't have been possible to build Canva because the, the technology wasn't there to enable it. And so that was a really critical piece. And, and there was a lot of technological challenges actually that needed to be solved in order to make Canva run in a browser, you know, be responsive at the speed that you would expect. And so that was a really exciting and interesting technological challenge, you know, for our, our CTO, you know, who was ex-Google and, and co-founded Cam. There was a lot to, to kind of work through, but it was this incredible sense of opportunity. And, and I think similarly today, you know, it's the same mission for us. Like how do you help someone go from an idea that they have to a, a design as quickly and as seamlessly as possible. And so what AI opens up is this incredible new technology that can totally reimagine the journey to get from A to B. And so that's really the lens that we've we've viewed it through. And we started a couple of years ago, you know, on that journey, we actually acquired a company called Kaleido who had been building uh, visual AI tools. And so they actually built the incredibly popular feature that we have called background remover, you know, where you can click one button and have the background of any image removed. We launched the same feature on for video more recently. And then now with the launches in March, we have rolled out um, an incredible range of, of AI tools that really cut across the whole design journey. So from the very start of the journey, when you're staring at that blank page, being able to describe the design that you'd like created. So, you know, a sixth birthday invitation with a dinosaur theme and and we can generate that for you from a text prompt. The ability to use text generation. So we have a tool called Magic Write, which can write, you know, write your email or generate 10 copy uh, suggestions for a Facebook ad or, or you know, summarize or, or edit your content for you through to one of my favorites, which is the ability to, you know, take any design and um, with a click of a button, translate it into more than 100 languages, um, you know, really, really core part of our mission and, and something that we struggle with on the daily sort of marketing in, in so many markets. Uh, you know, that's a bit of a taste, but it's all with that lens of how can we take the new technology and, and use it to make the design process simpler and easier. Hey, Zach, what's it take for you to be doing um, AI? How much energy, effort, resources, how many people hired have you oriented that? I think a lot of companies, I work with chief digital officers a lot and they're kind of tasked within their companies of figuring it out. I think that people could use some guidance. What's a leading edge, future oriented, technology driven company? How you go at that? And what advice do you have for people, for companies? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, it started for us a few years ago with bringing that talent in. Um, so Kaleido, that, that acquisition was a, a really important first step in that space. How big was Kaleido, by the way? How big was that company when you bought it? How many people, for example? I have to double check, but it'd be maybe 
10, 15 people at, at that point in time. Okay. This is a small, very early stage. Got it. Okay. And then I'd say we have really accelerated the building out of our machine learning data capabilities, a lot of those foundational elements as, as well as, um, you know, in, in the AI space. Uh, but the interesting thing I think for, for us is we, you know, have really aligned the, the whole company uh, around this space. And so, you know, we have across Canva, a sort of AI roadmap that all of our different product teams are, are contributing to. So it's been something that we've been building the capability, you know, up around. And then, you know, with, with the launches in March and, and the work that we're doing, we're really seeing it as a, um, you know, a sort of embedded focus across, you know, every sort of part of our, our product. That's for sure. And I think it's, it's you know, as, as you think about AI, it's definitely a mix of building in-house you know, leveraging what's out there in terms of the models that are being evolved, um, you know, all of the open source technology um, a, a, as well. So uh, it is evolving, um, you know, so quickly as, as I know, everyone's very, very well uh, aware. And so I think for us, we've just seen it through the lens of it's something that we need to be bringing into the product and, and sort of evolving and, and sort of learning from um, as, as we go. Hey, Zach, let's shift gears here a little bit. So, you know, often I ask people about the challenges of rising up through corporate America in order to get to the top spot of CMO. You built a good relationship, established credibility and have become a, a useful, powerful, dare I say, tool in the toolkit of the Canva management team to really get this thing organized. And it's had extraordinary growth. There's just no question about sort of how successful the company has been. And almost, if I've, if I've listened to you carefully over the years, I mean, without a blip, like it never did. But growth has its own challenges, doesn't it? It's not just easy all the time. Talk a little bit about the challenges that are in particular for Canva and what you faced in trying to help, you know, mail and company run the business. For sure. You know, growth is very much a blessing and, and we're incredibly fortunate for the growth that we've had. But when I'm, I'm interviewing people, I do spend a lot of time, you know, to really ground them in what it's really like. Because I think, you know, people can have a different interpretation kind of coming into a hyper growth organization. And, and the reality is we, you know, are currently at point A and we want to get to point B. And so, you know, have this big dream of where we can go and where we can take it, but where, you know, we often joke internally, like we're, we're 1% of the way there. And I um, I think Mel's been saying we're 1% of the way there since we started. So we haven't, <laughs> we haven't made a, a lot of progress. Wait, 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 let me get this right. 130 million customers. <laughs> what did you tell me? what did you say earlier? 130 million. Yeah. And it's still not enough. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I guess maybe at some level, I guess if we did the math, that might be 1%. You're right. <laughs> yeah, maybe 1.5% now. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, some of the things that I think people often find challenging is that there's a lot of building, right? You don't come to a company like Canva because you want a place where everything's figured out. So, you know, every single system and process and aspect needs to be built and often like reinvented every six, 12 months. And that, that goes everything from your planning process to HR and, and your people processes uh, through to how you build products, literally everything. And, and that can be something that, that's a, a struggle for people. You know, we, we often talk about uh, this notion of having to hand over your Lego as things grow. And it's a, it's a great analogy that I, that I really like because, you know, you come into a company, maybe it's 50 people 
and you get very used to doing the job that you're doing. And so, you know, you might be the only HR person at that point, but then the company doubles, adding a whole lot of other complexity and suddenly, you know, you, you need more more help and you need more people to, to come in with different expertise. And there can be a real personal challenge of, of feeling comfortable, um, you know, to hand over something that felt like it was, it was yours, you know, but we talk about that notion of, of being really, really important. So, you know, as the company grows, people need to specialize more and more and to see the value in bringing in, um, you know, people more experienced than they might be and, and handing things over. That's a big one, uh, I would say. Um, keeping teams uh, aligned and, and focused and, and prioritizing as well uh, would be another. I'd also say, you know, we, we have this concept of the hyper growth gap uh, that we talk about a, a bit. And so, if you imagine most companies, you're growing maybe a couple percent a year. You know, 10% might be an, an astonishing growth trajectory. And, and that has all sorts of challenges and a, and a different set of challenges uh, as well. But at an individual level, you know, there's a pressure to evolve and to learn and to grow in that context. But then if you, you know, move to a context where you're doubling year on year, you know, you imagine the same pressures on an individual, someone you know, it's come into a role and, you know, I often say you'll, you'll come into a role at Canva and if it's not already, it will very soon be the biggest role that you've had in your your life. And so it's very, very hard, if not impossible to evolve and to learn as an individual at the, the rate that a company grows. And so we talk a lot about how do you actually fill that hyper growth gap? And you do so by hiring people that are better than you, you know, and building a really great team around you. You do it through advisors, tapping the experience of, of wisdom and, and folks that have seen the thing that, that you're about to tackle. And you do so through, um, you know, constant learning and, and skill development as well. So, you know, that's an incredibly important part of, of evolving, you know, as, as a company like Canva grows. Give some examples of what you personally have done to sort of make yourself continue to be successful in the company. I mean, listen, that's the clear trajectory here, right? You've played a number of different roles. The founders obviously really trust you. You've built a good relationship. You obviously operate from a similar culture and set of values is usually what that kind of thing suggests. But what have you done personally to continue to sort of perform and deliver for the company? A few things I would say that have been really important. One has been really hiring. And so really focusing on bringing in the expertise around you and building the right team and organization. So, you know, that's very much been the journey for me in building our marketing organization these last few years. That had to start with really prioritizing what were the most important areas first and foremost. So, you know, the thing that we were doing really effectively was, you know, organic SEO. And so, you know, the next opportunity area was really layering on, you know, growth marketing. So performance and, you know, life cycle and, and channels like that. And so I really immersed myself in that space and, and hired someone, you know, great to, to come in and, and sort of help build that team. And then I could turn my, you know, my attention to the next challenge, which was product marketing, uh, you know, really important focus for us. Then it was scaling our brand marketing function. So building that team, immersing myself in, in that world, um, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So hiring out the team and, and sort of building the bench, I would say. Number two is finding uh, the right advisors. You know, we're 
been really fortunate as a company to have had incredible investors and advisors over the years. And, you know, I've done the same personally. So if there's a, a new area or a new frontier, the first question I'll, I'll ask is, you know, who in the world is the expert at this and, and, and go and spend time speaking with and, and learning from them. And, and we've brought on some in, incredible advisors um, you know that that have worked with me now for um, for a number of years, and and they've helped you know on everything from from hiring to you know strategy and and sort of tactical decisions uh, as well. So um, you know that's that's been a a really important um, one as well. And then the third thing I'd say is is actually just the importance of of sharing it and sort of building a, a community internally. So you know something that I'm I'm really grateful for is you know that there's an incredible bunch of people uh, across Canva that all sort of go through the, the same journey. And, and so just sort of having that that support system and people to kind of bounce stuff around different uh, functions are at, at different stages. So, you know, being able to share what's working well in, in one place or pick someone's brains on on how they've, they've sort of tackled, you know, a particular aspect of, of scaling has been really important uh, as well. Who have you most counted on, Zach, to kind of help you in that regard? I, I don't know if I need a name as much as maybe what their role is or who, 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 who basically they are. I can give you a couple of examples. So in, like in the people space, to rewind a, a couple of years ago, you know, as I was building out the people function, one of the areas that we were really keen to invest in was professional coaching for the team. It was something that, you know, Mel and Cliff uh, had had the opportunity to participate in and, and found incredibly valuable. And, and I had the, the opportunity to work with an external coach as, as well. And so we decided that we were going to set up a coaching team and build out an internal group of coaches that could support our, our teams, um, you know, both professionally and, and personally. So uh, in that instance, we actually brought on an advisor who I worked with really, really closely. So they really helped me understand you know, the whole world of professional coaching, the practices, the approaches, sort of methodology. Zach, what did coaching do for you? Or what have you seen it do for others? What, what it provides is a chance to step out of the day-to-day and almost go up to the balcony. You know, so we, this is sort of a metaphor of, you know, the, the ballroom and the balcony. And I think we can get so busy and swept up in the day-to-day, the immediate challenge, the frustration or the overwhelm. And what you know, I think coaching does as one practice here is to help us go up to the balcony and look at the situation, you know, the chessboard, how we're thinking, interpreting, you know, reacting to a scenario to break things down and, and to help provide a point of reflection. So the thing that coaching really helped for me was that opportunity to, to sort of step out and really, you know, focus on the priority areas, some of the personal skills that, that I wanted to build and, and to have that kind of accountability and, and sort of time set aside for that. So that was on the, on the professional coaching side. And then more on more recently, you know, on the, on the marketing side, had a range of advisors, but the, the best that I, you know, come to mind as, as I think about this is, is people with that, experience so breadth of experience that they can bring they've solved the challenges that that you have before they could be a thought partner and and a confidant you know close enough to the business and and the organization but also a couple steps removed to be able to bring that that perspective and like that is incredibly valuable 
I mean, listen, I've been around early stage and stuff. There tends to be an awful lot of change. Has the coaching been what you sort of help manage people with change? Or do you hire for people who adapt to change? Or do you think that you kind of get people in, we see if they adjust, and then, you know, if that environment doesn't work, you know, it doesn't work for them. How do you look at that? So change is definitely the only constant in growth. And what I really look for when I'm interviewing and hiring people is people that have been able to previously not only adapt to change, but to thrive and to drive it. And so, yeah, that's something that we really screen for in the interview process. How do you screen for that, Zach? How do you screen for, for people who are open to change? We do a range of things. It's actually a, a really fantastic interviewing technique I like, which is called top grading. And so, you know, basically goes along with the premise that people's past behavior and approaches to situations and their past achievements is a, is a really good predictor of their future uh, achievements as well. And so, you know, really digging in on previous uh, history, not just what they've achieved, but actually how they've approached it, um, you know, how they've had to learn and to grow uh, and evolve, you know, through those situations. And what you're really looking for is people that have a high internal locus of control. You know, they see themselves in, in the driver's seat. Um, versus uh, the world sort of happening uh, around them. They've taken on and been given opportunities. So those elements are, are really, really important. And the values and, and, and ways of working that are sort of innate to who they are and, and how they operate. And then the second thing that we do is more practical. So we spend time giving people a you know, real prompt, so a real challenge that they would face coming into Canva. And so this is really about seeing how people actually think their thought process to, to solving a problem or, or achieving a goal. And we found that to be a, a really important predictor of, of how they would come in and, and operate. And so that whole process gives people, I guess, a chance to see what it would actually be like working at Canva, most importantly. And then you know, for us, it gives us a chance to see like how they operate and think and would sort of come in and build their area. Hey, Zach, you guys do a thing called uh, seasonal openers. Can you talk a little bit about what that process is and how you guys operate? To, I think it's about building productive or quality teams, I think of some sort. Give us a little bit more. Sure. Uh, season openers have actually been an incredible part of how we've continued to set goals and, and rally the company. Um, towards our North Star mission. So we started a, a few years ago, actually, when the company was pretty small. And what we would do back then was every three months, every team in the company would actually get up and as though they were a you know small startup, pitch the goals that they were going to work towards for the upcoming three months and share the wins that they had had over the past season before. Um, we chose seasons because we didn't like the corporate notion of quarters. So that brought, um, you know, some some fun to the exercise. And, you know, every season we would pick a theme. So for winter before we've had like a, a winter Olympics theme season opener with indoor snow and a kind of crazy opening ceremony. And, and we have a lot of fun. We've done all sorts of um, themes like that uh, along the way. And that's been a really amazing part of our, our culture. It's grown as we've grown. And so these days, well, uh, there's a lot more people. We, we still do that uh, across the company, um, you know, where we bring everyone together, the whole company together 
Um, and it's a fantastic way to keep everyone swimming in the same direction, you know, aligned on, on what's happening across the company and, and what we're striving towards. Well, Zach, I really just feel like you guys have put in a lot of, um, a lot of really solid process and thoughtfulness, especially for a company that's as young and has grown as fast as you all have. Who really drove that orientation to, I think at some level, it's really building a very strong company rather than building what the company's doing. It's a great product, so there's no question about that. But you've been equally focused on building a great company. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I often explain that you know we're a product-driven company, first and foremost. You know We are the product, and that has meant there's been a focus from the founders on the product experience in particular. You know, Mel, who spends a great deal of her time there. But I think equally important, you know, alongside focusing on the platform that we've wanted to build and the impact we've wanted to have, there's been this incredibly intentional focus on the company and the type of company that we want to build and the culture that we want to create as well. Yeah, no, you can hear from everything you said, the company is incredibly focused and being almost methodical about how it's going at that. Maybe there's a different choice of words there, but very process oriented and foundational. It's very smart, very smart. You may have already identified, maybe you want to call them out by name at this point, I'm not sure, but who else in marketing, either person or company, do you can, but who do you guys most admire? Uh, so many. I'll start with, um, you know, maybe some of the obvious ones. I'd, I'd say, you know, Apple, I just continue to admire and I admire the journey that they've taken, the focus on product first and foremost with a human-centric lens, you know, the simplicity with which they tell their product story and the way that their values and what they stand for come through in everything that they do um, would be a big one. You know, Airbnb, I think similarly, that's human centricity, but also the velocity of product development and evolution on that front. You know, some others for different reasons. I, I think it's been fascinating watching companies like Impossible Foods particularly, you know, create a new category uh, and through things like partnerships, uh, you know, really get that brand and approach, you know, to thinking about food in, into the world and, and so visible. So those are a, a few um, off the top of my head. Well, wow. those are those are very good. Yeah, Peter McGinnis used to sit on my board here. Is now over running Impossible Foods. I think he's uh, he's going to rev. It's been a great company. He's going to continue to make it an even greater company. So, kind of final one for you. There's a lot of young marketers out there, right? I guess I'd ask you, what advice do you have for marketers? Maybe even those who are outside the tech space, uh, maybe outside of San Francisco, New York City. I don't know where you want to put them. What advice do you have for them? Let's just go with that. The number one thing I would say to focus on is to say yes to the opportunities that, that to come along and sometimes you don't know where that will take you, but I think when you focus on doing what the business needs and saying yes, even if it's, you know, taking on a project outside of your comfort area or, you know, something that on the, the surface level, you know, might, mightn't have been the thing that um, you necessarily wanted to do by working on the things that are a priority for the company, that will give you an incredible amount of exposure to the different challenges and, and sort of business priorities 
but is ultimately the, the, the greatest way to, to learn and, and grow. And that's definitely been, you know, the case for me. Um, I think I've been curious and, and sort of interested. And so, you know, putting my, my hat in the ring and saying yes to work on products um, really meant that I was able to immerse myself in, in that whole world and, and learned an incredible amount. Um, same thing with, with people and, and HR and, you know, equally so I've learned that that's not the right space for me. And, you know, while I learned a lot and, and, and had a lot of fun, you know, learning about things like coaching and learning and development, that sort of helped me on the path to marketing. But I would say where I am now, like all of those different experiences really you know, help, help me, you know, in, in terms of the context across our organization um, and, and sort of I draw on those experiences each and every day uh, as well. And so I'm um, saying yes and, and just taking those opportunities and seeing things as a learning opportunity, I think is, um, you know, one of the most important things. I'm a little bit older than you. You've created an awful lot of wisdom for yourself and obviously through the experience you've had. And you know what I hear the most in you too, which I really appreciate, is a real sense of both gratitude and equanimity in the opportunities you've been given. Uh, you know, I've gotten to watch you now for a few years since, you know, John had introduced us. It really is amazing. Your parents should be proud. I don't know. Maybe you should be proud <laughs> of sort of where you've come and what you've done. And, and especially what you guys have done with the company. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, that's, it's really incredible. Congratulations. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks again to Zach Kitschke from Canva for coming on Building Better CMOs. Check the show notes for links to connect with Zach. And if you want to know more about MMA's work to truly unlock the power of marketing, please visit MMAglobal.com. Or you could attend any of the 30 conferences that MMA operates in in 15 different countries. Or feel free to just write me, Greg, at MMAglobal.com. Our producer and podcast consultant is Eric Johnson from lightningpod.fm. Building Better CMOs researcher is Anita Palovska. Artwork is by Jason Chase and special thanks to LaSara Smith. This is Greg Stewart. I'll see you in two weeks.